Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. We're up to issue 25 of Spawn uh, for our daily Spawn, our year of the Spawn, our 30th yes. anniversary of Spawn. However you want to look at it, we're uh, celebrating Spawn this year by, by covering the entire regular series. And uh, yeah, we're up to, to 25. Um, and this, it's definitely has a little bit of a different feel than a lot of the previous issues. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the, the artists. And uh, I, I mean, I guess I should just give the credits. Maybe that's the best way, best way to do it. So this is drawn by Mark Silvestri. He's the one that does the pencils. It's still written by Todd McFarlane. We have inks by Bat and Billy Tan. Letters by Tom Orzakowski, as usual, and then Brian Haverlin does the color. So, uh, you know, Bat is, is probably much more known for, and Billy Tan much more known for inking uh, Mark Silvestri than, than Todd McFarlane. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of interesting to see one of the other image founders giving his take on Spawn. So... In terms of the story, it's it. I almost feel like McFarlane. How can I put this? It's almost like he pulled back on on the story because he just wanted Mark Silvestri's pencils to shine. Um, I don't know. It, it felt a little different to me. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, uh, we were talking earlier. Uh about this this habit that McFarlane has, one issue will be, you know, I take notes when I review this and I got so few notes reviewing this issue. The next issue, 26, I review, uh, I reviewed, I got two and a half pages of notes. Uh, I don't, I didn't find a lot happens in this issue. Uh, but, you know, again, Mark Silvestri, it's interesting that we got his, his pencils, but uh, I didn't find this issue to be all that eventful. But I, again, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm amazed at how, I don't know. Like, it's it's times like this where I question myself. I sometimes I like, you know, there's that e egotistical side of me. I like to think I've got a little bit of a discerning eye after forty years of collecting comics that I kind of can tell the difference between two artists. But sometimes, you know, I'm looking here between McFarlane, Greg Capullo, and Mark Silvestri. Uh, I guess there is a difference, but honestly, again, to the unscrupulous eye, just picking up this issue of twenty five, reading it, I. I felt right at home in the Spawn universe. I don't think your your layperson would necessarily be able to tell the difference between a McFarlane, a Capullo, and a Silvestri, to be honest with you. Uh, but that probably admittedly says more about my uh, <laughs> discerning eye than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can can tell the difference. Um, but the other thing, I, so I went back and I, I, I looked at, and I tried to find some information on it. I, I remember these issue 25s coming out like way in advance, right? Like, I think it was after about the first, because, you know, it's so funny, right? Like we're talking, oh, after the first year. So meaning after the first 12 issues, right? But mm -hmm. in the case of a lot of these titles, you know, 12 issues took a year and a half, if not longer. And it certainly felt longer <laughs> for, for all the fans with all the, uh, and readers with all the delays. But I think somewhere around issues 12 or 14 of, the books that were, were coming out on a regular basis. So basically, basically Spawn and Savage Dragon, basically they decided to, uh, Eric Larson and, 
and and probably Cy- I think Cyberforce was another one that was coming out relatively uh, on a regular schedule. So I think those three books. I think um, Spawn twenty five, Cyberforce twenty five, and uh, and Savage Dragon twenty five. I think if you if you go and look at those books, they're drawn by. They, you know, they mixed up the, the, the creative teams. So, you know, for the most part, Spawn had been, um, had been Todd McFarlane, you know, granted he had a few, uh, fill-in writers here or there. Um, Savage Dragon was, was always Eric Larson pretty much. And then Cyberforce was, uh, was Mark Silvestri. So I'm actually, I'm looking it up right here. So yeah, if I go and I click on Savage Dragon 25, uh, well, no, I guess that that one's still written and drawn by by Eric Larson, so maybe that's not not the case. Um, let me look up Cyberforce real fast, twenty five, and see if that's the case there. Because yeah, I, I I just remember it being a big deal that you know, like two years ahead of when it actually should have been, they uh, they put out their their twenty fifth issue, so to speak. So I don't know. It it was kind of weird because it then they basically had to write so that this book would, would line up, right? Like the story would line up. So when you say not much happened, you kind of wonder, well, if McFarlane had to write this two years ahead of time, he, he probably purposefully had to keep it vague um, because then you, he, he didn't want to write himself into a corner basically. Yeah. So, you know, that might be what's, uh, what's going on. Of course, I can't even find, I can't even find Cyberforce. How is Cyberforce not, if you do a search for Mark Silvestri, how does Cyberforce not come up? Not sure how that. Yeah, it hasn't really been, Cyberforce hasn't really been uh, uh, an intellectual property on the pop culture landscape, though, for, for, for a very long time. So perhaps his internet can be forgiven. (laughs) Yeah, and even the main title didn't even get up to number 25. So I don't know, maybe it was, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe it was only Spawn that did this, but I I don't know. I I don't, honestly, I don't remember any of that, but you know, I, I stopped collecting Spawn at issue like 12 or 13. So this is, it's kind of news. You're always giving me a history lesson, which I appreciate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I should have looked it up ahead of time, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to check out one more thing because so, I mean, if I'm right and we look at the publication date, then the publication date for this, for 25, should be, you know, quite a bit ahead of, um, ahead of 24. So, and again, I've got to scroll all the way down to the bottom because now, you know, we're up to whatever issue 300 and something. But I so thought that if, was for a previous issue. I thought that, I thought, I thought issue 22 came out before. I thought we already been through this. Like, was this a common occurrence? No. No, no, no. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I think issues, the ones that Tom Marzakowski wrote, 19 and 20, those were just late. And they got, they were forced by, uh, they were forced by Diamond to resolicit those. Hmm. But I want to say 25 came out. Yeah, but see, that's not what I'm seeing here. Maybe I'm just completely off my rocker. <laughs> Maybe I'm misremembering. Because if I look at this, it does say, uh, 24 is September 1st, 1994 and 25 is October 1st, 1994. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm wrong, but I could have sworn that they did that. 
that they jumped forward in time, like two years. Maybe maybe it's with 50. I don't know. Anyway. I, I'm sure it wait. happened. We'll just pretend we're in the DC universe. Somewhere in the <laughs> Omniverse, it happened that way. And we'll just, and everything matters. So we'll leave it like that. Yeah. Maybe I'll, 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 take a, I'll take a deeper look. Uh, or maybe if we ever get taught on, we can, we can ask. But okay. anyway, if we dive in, uh, it's called Tremors. And uh, it starts off and bit of a recap. We get the three talking heads, the CNN guy, the E! Entertainment guy, and the, the right-wing guy who's now on channel Viacom 6. And they're all referencing the recent uh, events that we saw in the Hunt storyline um, where you know all these different agencies were fighting, uh, were trying to track down Spawn. Um, and again, it, it doesn't make a whole... You can't you can't put too much stock in it because we even talked about it, right? How the CIA is not allowed to operate in, in the border of the United States, but yet it was FBI, CIA and the cops. And you had the mafia and the mafia's, I guess we'll call them enforcer, cybernetic enforcer over at kill um, and spawn and the homeless guy. So yeah, it was, it was somewhat of a, a almost like a gang war, and so that, that's what's sort of recapped or, or referenced by the three talking heads. Then we get a scene where a bunch of the homeless guys are sitting around a fire doing what homeless guys do, I guess, talking about the Red Sox and the Yankees and drinking some booze and going to pee in the alley. Um, and then one of the guys, has he goes to relieve himself, and then he's coming back. He gets accosted by a, another street punk. And we're told in in the exposition about how Spawn has now set it up so everybody who who lives on that turf, the turf that Spawn's protecting, um, is is protected from outside. But there are still some threats on the inside, right? So this guy, the, the insinuation is this guy's an enforcer am- among the homeless themselves, um, and he's he has a message for Spawn. He says, you know, tell Spawn he needs to pull back fifteen blocks unless he's looking for a turf war. You know, my boss will will take him out, blah, blah, blah. You know, typical turf war kind of stuff, I guess. Uh, then we get a little interlude where we see Terry Fitzgerald is back at his work and he's feeling a little out of sorts because, again, he, he knew everybody was chasing him. Everybody was after him. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And the way he puts it is somebody's breathing down heavy on them. So it's going to be hard to get any answers. So he wants to know who is behind it. I mean, he's glad that the, the pressure's off now and he's not being framed anymore, but he wants to know who is behind it. And he, he realizes that everybody's still suspicious of him, even if he supposedly is in the clear now. Uh, and then Wanda shows up uh, to say hi and kind of interesting and, and shows sort of her integrity because she talks about how you know, after losing Al and Al having a dangerous job and working in the intelligence community, that she really appreciated Terry being there to help her get through the loss of her husband. But because Terry was in the intelligence agency as well, she was a little gun shy about understanding, having a good understanding of what Terry did, right? She talks about the fact that she thought if she put some distance between like knowing what Terry did uh, and and kind of their home life, I guess you would say, that it would protect them. It would protect her and their daughter. But obviously, that that wasn't the case. <laughs> so she's like, I might as well know what you do since not knowing what you do didn't 
help out, didn't help at all. You know, when things went bad, uh, she was threatened. So, well, doesn't it seem a little bit? I mean, she knows that. I mean, he kind of works for the CIA, doesn't he? I mean, I well, mean, he works for the he were, he works for the United States Security Group. So, right. So I'm thinking like he can't I mean, tell her. He can't above. go home and tell his wife whatever the hell you know. Well, what did you do yeah. today, honey? Well, I I can't yeah. tell you. I mean, I, I so I I don't. I'm not really sure how much. You know, I you know I think as a reader I can appreciate Wanda's frustration with having you know now a second husband who likes to keep secrets. But I mean, let's face it, he doesn't really have much of a choice. It kind of comes with the job. So I'm not really sure if it's going to change the their their, their bonding or their closeness. But uh, I, I suppose it's a nice gesture on her part. But it, it might get him laid another time. But I I don't think it's necessarily going to change the quality of their communication. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I wonder. You wonder about that. I mean, she she wasn't saying anything, but you're right. I mean, he obviously can't share secrets or anything, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe they can be closer in some way, or he can at least intimate if things are going well or not. Um, but I will say, this is one of those pages where the Sylvester art really shines. Especially oh my when we god, get she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah well, we get the the silhouette of her, um, but it's also very '90s, right? Because <laughs> I think maybe her legs, like might be a little too long like no uh, no such thing and they go up and make I, a nice I, ass out of themselves too so that's all right but i, I i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying in terms of uh you know correct anatomy <laughs> yeah and those heels are extra she's practically walking around in like point shoes like ballet shoes almost <laughs> her heels yeah. are so high so Anyway, I just noticed it in the silhouette for sure. I, so. I, I would suggest she's using her feminine wiles to get Terry to open up and maybe violate some some state secrets. Because uh, <laughs> if I was him, I I would you know I might be a lawyer by occupation, but I w- I might even violate solicitor client privilege to uh, if she if you know my wife came in uh, wearing heels that high. But uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe maybe she's she's like Terry couldn't get me the answers about Al. Uh, I'm gonna find him myself. Uh, by getting access. <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, back in the alley, we see the uh, the enforcer. We find out his name is David Bruy, and he's a Vietnam vet, and he goes climbing into an abandoned building to meet this boss uh, th- whose message he was delivering uh, that was telling Spawn to kind of pull back his territory. And when we get a glimpse of this guy, he's giant, he's hulking, he's got some ragged teeth, he's got some horns. He sort of looks like a demon himself. And he's got a very gravelly voice. And right away, I thought, I was like, man, what's going on in these alleyways of New York that like all these demons and hell spawns and, you know, monsters are, are creeping around there. Um, but what we find out after the guy delivers his message is that th- whoever this guy is, whoever this demonic looking guy is, he's got it in for Vito Gravano. Uh, he even calls him a fat pig. I'll be able to bring that fat pig Gravano to his knees. Um, and he calls him a mafia scumbag and crashes around in the building a little bit. And <laughs> David Brewery has to make a hasty escape. Um, and this guy who never do find out his name, uh, he says, nobody's going to keep, uh, Gravano safe, not overt kill, not spawn, not God, uh, so this guy's after Spawn because he says Spawn's got everything this guy needs. So meanwhile, we see Spawn. He's um, he's chilling on his throne, uh, and he's thinking about how he tried to keep his existence a secret. He tried to keep the people that he cared about safe. 
and it completely backfired and almost like not only did he you know he made made this deal with the devil not only did he not get his wife back he came back five years later tried to keep his existence a secret and in doing so almost got his wife killed so it was almost the exact opposite of what he wanted instead of being reunited with her he almost got her killed which i guess in a way would have allowed them to be reunited but we're told he won't allow that to happen again um and despite what we saw a few issues ago with him sort of seeming like he was accepting his existence as spawn now now it feels like he's kind of moping around and backsliding a little bit mm-hmm. um and he, he thinks that he was a fool and these guys the, his friends in the uh, the homeless community that reside in his alleys shouldn't see him as their uh, savior or what have you. Um, and as he's thinking all these thoughts and feeling sorry for himself, one of the guys actually shows up and uh, says, Al, you got to hear this, right? And he's going to tell him about the, the guy that showed up and told him he needed to to pull back his territory. But again, Al Simmons feeling sorry for himself. He's like, I don't need to hear what you say. It's time you guys learn to solve your own problems. The guy's like pleading with him, like, no, you don't understand. Like, Spawn's, no, you you people have become lazy. You keep coming to me for answers. I don't have the answers. Solve your own problems. I got a few of my own. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he goes walking out. So pretty, pretty harsh. Um, like, come yeah. on, man. Like, I get it. Your life does kind of suck. You know, your face looks like ground up hamburger. And, yeah. you know, you got, you got the wrong end of the deal. And, but, and and I should add, I should add that Spawn's face still has the shoelaces that were used to stitch up his face. He still hasn't healed his yep. face, and I yep. and I, I can't help but think that there that's a little bit of uh, sort of bending of the uh, bending of the rules because he I would expect Spawn's face to have healed by now. But I think it's such a cool visual <laughs> that every artist wants to draw that disgusting face because Sylvester does a magnificent job with it with with that. You know that that looks absolutely horrific and just it looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, the other argument against it having healed is, you know, this isn't technically a human body, so maybe it, it can't heal on its own. And he's, he's got to expend energy to heal it, and he just doesn't want to bother to waste it. So, yeah. But it's yeah, not like he has to like, impress anybody. So, yeah, yes. He's, <laughs> he's not going to win any beauty contests. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then we do get a quick inter another quick interlude. This time we're at a diner. Sam and Twitch are having lunch. And, uh, Sam's in an exceptionally good mood and it has everything to do with the fact that he's uh, got the file on chief banks that, uh, that spawn gave him. And uh, he says that having that file brings a, a warm spot to his heart. Meanwhile, back in, above the alleys this time we see spawn and he's uh, he's kind of risen above the alleys to give himself some perspective is, is kind of the way I read it. And he's thinking about his, his former life and how he fought and killed for what he believed in. Um, and now he's something different. You know, he feels like he's a instrument of evil. He's something dark and foul and disgusting. Uh, and as he stares down at the groups of homeless people that supposedly he's there to protect, but now maybe he's second guessing that he realizes that their friendship and their interactions with him are, are the moments when he feels closest to being human. And so he he decides that he should seize those moments and 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 be their protector, defend his beliefs and act like a man, you know, sort of fake it till you make it. So he decides to go talk to this other guy who's told him that he needs to back off his turf, right? He's going to op- oppose him 
um, and get, get some answers. So uh, we see that guy, and again, we don't know his name, uh, but he's sitting in a building on a couple of the upper floors and looking out the window when he sees what looks to be Spawn. And he hears a voice saying, you wanted to talk? And the guy reaches through the glass and grabs Spawn. And it comes, uh, come to find out it's just a decoy. It's just a plywood thing. And he gets all mad and he smashes it up. Plywood, crunch, crunch, show yourself coward. <laughs> and so then Spawn kind of shows it. It's, I mean, it's a fun moment. Um, and Spawn says, you know, here I am. You're not going to push the old guys around anymore. And so they have a little bit of a, a fight. And what we learn is that this other demon isn't actually a demon at all as much as he looks demonic and you know he, there's some uh, kind of malbolgia looking uh, uh resemblance you know he looks as horrific as spawn does what we find out is he actually was a hitman for uh for vito gravano and you know after spawn showed up and and violator showed up and they heard you know, about these demonic looking guys, they, they ran their own experiments and between some chemicals they used and some, uh, some metal fused to the flesh and microsurgery and some sort of radiation and anti-rejection drugs. Basically, I think they threw everything in the kitchen sink at this guy. It transformed him into this terrible monster. Um, <laughs> and, and now this guy wants this former hitman for Gravano wants wants revenge and so when spawn hears all this he doesn't necessarily agree to help the guy go after gravano but what he does is he leaves and comes back with the file that he has on gravano that has you know all this information uh and he tells them he goes you know this contains everything that i have on on veto i haven't read it all but there's plenty in there um and the guy's like okay you know where'd you get it spawn mentions that he took it from his accountant and it would actually be doing a favor for Spawn if if he swatted Gravano pretty hard. Still interesting, like we talked about at the end of um, the hunt for why, why if, if Gravano is still a threat, if you still want him swatted hard, the hardest way you can swat him is just kill him. And we've seen Spawn kill yeah. before, so I, I'm just, I'm not sure why he doesn't just kill him. Yeah. But anyway. I, I think you hit on, I think that's a, I think that's more of a significant constructive criticism than, than you and I are, have both <laughs> made it yeah. i think it it doesn't make sense that spawn is letting these very high profile evil men live uh and yeah. and, and 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 as the issues progress that just keeps getting hammered home even more so so uh it is i think uh it, it does sort of baffle me a little bit but you know again you know nothing like a good villain but the villains need to be elevated in order to justify how they can how can a villain continue to survive when faced with an enemy like Spawn? We haven't really been told that yet because Vito and Jason Wynn arguably should be dead by now. But anyways. Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument that, you know, Mal Bolgia and his denizens, Violator and whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know, they're more of a match for Spawn. They, they can't be killed. But yeah, you wonder. And, and, and I guess there could be an argument made that Spawn is trying to act like a man. You know, he said that here and that, that's what eventually – Know, act human, feel like a man, feel human. That's what eventually changes his mind about not wanting to help out the homeless people that he uh, spends most of his time around. Mm -hmm. But even when he was a man, he was a government assassin and killed people. So yeah. that, that even that argument doesn't really 
Well, well, maybe so, maybe an argument could be made that he's trying to, in some vain way, hold on to some vestige of his humanity, uh, because he 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 lost his body. He's he doesn't look human. He, he doesn't have human body parts. He's made up of psychoplasm, necroplasm, whatever it is. So maybe him, maybe he's just maybe choosing not to to kill uh, out of some vain attempt to maintain some some tether to. Uh, some goodness uh, based upon the memory of his wife. Maybe if I'm stretching it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help Todd McFarlane out here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But, at, okay. but what I go back to is, well, it didn't bother him when he was alive, but I guess yeah. then the counter argument <laughs> there is, well, yeah. And look what happened to him when he got, when he died. And we'll yeah. talk more about that when we talk about uh, tomorrow, when we talk about issue number 26, yeah. uh, because that kind of plays in when, when we, you know, when we've, somebody comes right out and says, you know, well, why, why'd you pick Al Simmons, you know, yeah. and it, uh, or, you know, Al asked that question, maybe like what, you know, why'd you pick me? And then somebody says, well, you know, your capacity for evil, whatever. So, so maybe that's it. Maybe that, yeah. you know, he's, he's trying to be good quote unquote. Uh, but anyway, after he gives a file to this guy, and again, I find it strange. It se seems like he's going to be a significant character, but we <laughs> never get a name for him. Um, so he, he jumps off, says, thanks Spawn. I'll give you the lowdown when I'm through with him. Spawn says he'll be around, and he stops to think that for all the power this creature had, um, it seemed just as kind of tortured and, um, you know, emotionally uh, traumatized as Spawn himself seems. Um, and he, he wonders, did he, did he make a friend? Is this guy going to be an enemy at some point? Is it something in between? We don't know. And that's where, that's where it's left. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said at the beginning, I, I feel like I, I won't go so far as to say not a lot happened in this issue. I mean, basically, we're introduced to this new character. It seems to be the most significant event. Um, but it does feel like McFarlane did tailor the script for Silvestri, you know, for his style of art, which, I mean, compared to a typical Spawn issue... There's, yeah. I guarantee you there's fewer panels yeah. uh, and the, the panels themselves are bigger. And that's not to say that, uh, that we don't get splash pages when McFarlane draws, but I think in general um, you will get splash pages, but you'll get a lot, you'll get some pages where you have a lot of panels and here you don't, you know, four or five panels at the most. Um, and a lot of the pages have even less than that. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge Silvestri fan and I love the fact that we got to see Sylvestri uh, draw spawn. And I particularly like the, um, the scene that Rocky referenced where Spawn's standing up when the guy comes, the homeless guy comes to tell him that somebody threatened their turf and he stands up and he's, you people are lazy, blah, blah, blah. It's just a great, it's just a great scene um, and beautifully rendered by Sylvester, even uh, with the shoelace, <laughs> shoelace face that, uh, that spawn has. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of like chunk of story, um, it's a it's a quicker read. This is definitely a quicker read, and in that way, even though it's it's not written by somebody other than McFarlane, um, just because of the style that Sylvester has, uh, I think makes it a little bit of a quicker read. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad we got a. I'm glad there's a Sylvester drawn issue of Spawn. I'm glad it exists. Yeah. So. It it uh, a couple of things with the story itself that I, I thought were uh, 
curious choices that I don't necessarily agree with, but did not sub- substantially detract from the narrative itself was just the choice. You know, th- this new character, uh, I appreciate that McFarlane wrote a story that maybe was trying to cater to Sylvester's artistic uh, tendencies and interests and, and preferences, but not naming this this sort of new villain, this this person that was experimented upon, this former hitman of uh, Vito Gravano, not giving him a name. I think was was uh it didn't make any sense to me. It all, I mean I can't I can't see Spawn, especially if Spawn is a former intelligence officer himself who works who was an he was an undercover operative himself or at least a military guy. I can't see him giving a secret file about Vito Gravano to some guy. He doesn't even bother getting his name and the guy looks like a devil. I mean and also artistically the artistic rendition of this guy, this former hitman who's been experimented upon. We not only do we not know his name, but why does he look, why does he have horns out of his head? I know that he was experimented upon, but why does he actually look like he's actually a demon spawn himself? He looks too much like a potential hell spawn, and I think it throws confusion in the narrative. Uh, and, and I think that's, I, I don't think that necessarily works well. Unless, of course, uh, maybe maybe he is, like we know from Jason Wynn, Jason Wynn or, or rather uh, we found out in previous issues, uh, yes, actually, we found out from Jason Wynn in a previous issue that Jason Wynn has made deals with certain agents of hell following uh, un- the underground nuclear uh, experimentation that took place under this, uh, Nevada, this, in the state of Nevada, that that opened up hell. And so Jason Wynn and others, you can contract and you can make deals with various demons, Bond. And so I could maybe see if this hitman was linked to that. Maybe that would explain his appearance. But if he's just, you know, if you're going to experiment on a soldier, you know, it just seems like, oh, how convenient. He looks exactly like a Hellspawn. I'm wondering if maybe Vito also has connections with Hell, with agents of Hell, just like Jason Wynn does. That might explain maybe why Vito and Jason Wynn are a little bit more powerful than maybe they first appear and could maybe add a little bit more verisimilitude to the story. Because as you and I have both agreed upon, that it seems a little bit odd that that, that Vito and Jason Wynn haven't been taken off the playing field so far. But So other than that, I like this. I I would have really have liked to, uh, and if for no other reason than when we review, I like to, it's so much easier to review a comic when we're actually given a name. I actually read this twice because I, I kept thinking I missed the name of this hitman, but no, you're, there's, there's no name given to this character. And that's, that's a very odd thing to do. Spawn and this character almost, they kind of fight. They have a long conversation. He gives them a secret information and he doesn't say, by the way, what's your name? I mean, <laughs> it just seems really odd to me. I mean, but anyways, maybe, uh, it was still enjoyable. Sylvester's art was fantastic. And it, uh, you know, like I said, I can actually see this being almost a filler issue in a sense, because this isn't an absolutely, this doesn't appear to be an absolutely crucial character. This, this hitman that was experimented upon by Vito Gravano, he, now he has this file and he'll, he'll run off and go against Vito. I mean, if we never hear from him again, we never hear from him again. So it's, I guess it's not a big deal. Um, so I can almost see that this is a storyline that could have been shoehorned in theoretically anywhere within probably the, the larger narrative. But uh, all in all, it was an, it was an enjoyable read. Uh, whether or not we hear anything more about this character moving forward, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, he does. He does get a name eventually. He does show back up. Um, when I was trying to find out if, if I was right about that jump ahead, I, I did <laughs> come across that. 
but yeah, I, I find it very strange. You know, even if, I mean, maybe he hasn't been around in this sort of mutated form enough to, to be christened with a name yet or to have given himself a name. You know, you know, like if he's out for revenge, why not call yourself the Revenger or the Avenger or Vengeance or something like that? But he, maybe he has, but at least like he had a human name, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Just, just really, really strange. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, glad, glad this issue exists because uh, I really dig on the, the Sylvester art. So uh, anyway, anything else to add Rocky before we uh, sign off? I uh, know, other than the fact that I guess this is a one-off because the next issue is not uh, drawn by Sylvestri, if yep. I recall. So this is actually this is just I guess a one a, a quick a quick done in one by Sylvestri, and then he sort of takes off. He sort of shows up quickly to show off his brilliance, and then leaves. <laughs> yep, exactly. Back back to drawing Cyberforce, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, okay, that's gonna do it, everybody. We appreciate you joining us as always. Don't forget to head over to YouTube and subscribe to Rocky's channel so you don't miss any of the content. Uh, just do a search for Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point on YouTube. Ring that notification bell so you know when new content comes out. Like this video and be sure to subscribe. Uh, if you always check us out on YouTube and you don't listen to the other audio-only stuff from the Comic Source, we definitely encourage you to do that. So just head over to your favorite podcasting app or platform, Google, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever it is. Do search for the comic source and subscribe there. So that's going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more Spawn Daily and issue number 26. And we'll talk to you then. See you later. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The readings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.